This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is November the 22nd, 2019. Strong hand, Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin in motion. Oh yeah, we got a guy who's in motion here. Uh, Long-term thinking, apex predator, be a unique beast. Oh, he's a unique beast. Remember, this is your home for insider Bitcoin information. And yeah, Zach Ball is going to bring you all the information. He's got a strong hand. He knows that Bitcoin's unconfiscatable. Hello, my elite friends. Hello, my elite Zach Ball. Welcome back on the show, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a while, uh, almost a year, I guess we were saying, but um, it's, it's glad, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, you have been ripping it up on Twitter all this time. He is linked to below, by the way, guys. I've, he, it may be about 10 months or so since he's been on the show, but I have actually used his tweets many a time, so you guys should be familiar with him at this point. Um, but if not, he is linked to below. Follow him. Always uh, doing uh, great stuff over in Twitter land, and we're going to get into a specific tweet right now. Why don't, we just, why don't we start off with a current event here before we really do a deep dive? And let's read a, a, a tweet of yours. This is, I, I love this one. I'm really glad the IRS is investigating compliance issues for Bitcoin ATMs because that's definitely a critical regulatory priority for an agency with limited manpower that barely understands forks. Ouch. <laughs> okay, so, so, so there's a lot there. We're going to talk about the IRS, but let, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, yeah, why, why are they hitting on these Bitcoin ATMs all over the world? And, Will they really be able to stop some Bitcoin ATM in Africa? Yeah. Um, so the tweet was based on a couple articles I saw floating around. Um, one of them from uh, Bloomberg, I think, and then it was picked up by Cointelegraph um, with some comments from uh, one of the chief criminal investigation officers or something. I don't remember his name um, at the IRS. Um, and they're looking at tax compliance issues for Bitcoin, Bitcoin ATMs and kiosks. Um, and apparently this is, uh, they're collaborating with multiple different uh, branches of law enforcement. I don't know um, all the details on this. I just saw headlines and scanned the um, article a little bit. But obviously there's every couple of months there's uh, articles about how uh, Bitcoin ATMs are growing in the U.S. and around the world, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 um, Bitcoin ATMs around the world live now. Um, it just seems like a kind of a, a bizarre, very niche area for uh, the IRS to focus on, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe there is like rampant money laundering or something going on with Bitcoin ATM use. Um, but it, it just struck me as a very odd thing for the IRS to focus on, given that there is so much for them to, uh, so many other things that they could be working on um, understanding and issuing guidance on and even enforcing um, elsewhere in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Um, like, for example, <laughs> understanding how to uh, tax forks and uh, airdropped coins and all of that sort of stuff, which um, as Coin Center has written a little bit on recently, their recent guidance, um, which is like the only guidance they've given since 2014 or something, uh, was was pretty bad in terms of how they understood or seemed to understand forks and airdrops and and how they want them to be taxed and and all of that. 
Um, so it's just, it's very bizarre, but like, sure, go, go after Bitcoin ATMs, I guess, more power to you. Yeah, their, their talk on the, the forks, the airdrops, the crypto dividends, they it didn't seem like they know what the heck they're talking about at all. And then this announcement that they're going after the Bitcoin ATM, it's a, it's, it's a niche thing, definitely. So, I mean, in your opinion, do they, even, <laughs> do they know what they're talking about there or do a lot? I mean, they tried to make it out in some of their press releases. Like, you know, we've got experts over here now, but some of this stuff that's coming out of there, it seems like they're totally clueless that they're really behind yeah it's it's hard it's hard to tell obviously and we get there's signals that it's it's kind of a mixed bag like on some things um some areas of tax enforcement they they know their stuff pretty well probably and they're trying to go after high profile um uh, maybe what you might call honeypots of crypto users like uh, the john doe subpoena for uh, Coinbase a few years ago and that sort of thing. Um, and even uh, they, they subpoenaed Apple for all user downloads of any sort of crypto related app or whatnot. Um, so they're they're not totally taking just stabs in the dark, but they are still to some extent taking stabs in the dark, like a bunch of letters that were sent around from the IRS that popped up on Twitter and other social platforms um, were just sort of very vague letters from the IRS saying, we want you to review your tax returns because maybe you didn't file them correctly. We don't know. Um, so they, they don't know what's, they don't know what's, um, who hasn't paid their taxes and who has, there's just uh, like, I mean, I'm always an advocate. Like it's not worth the risk for me. I always pay taxes, but at the same time, like it, if you didn't pay your taxes, I mean, I'm hesitant to say this, but like the IRS might just not have the manpower to enforce everyone, enforce uh, like outstanding tax liabilities for everyone who didn't file and everyone who didn't even file correctly, um, let alone people who don't know if they filed correctly or not. It's just, it's just still a pretty big mess. So I don't know if Bitcoin ATMs, if I should be like at the top of the IRS's priority list, but you know. Yeah, whatever. Who knows I, what doing. I, I think they're trying to show, you know, we're everywhere. We're big yeah, and you probably. should, you should self-report. You, you, you should be scared. You should, you, you, you said yeah. the word honeypots and I've actually used that before. Uh, that term when describing this situation, Coinbase, all the people yeah. who have bought at Coinbase and sold at Coinbase and, and done it multiple times. That's a huge honeypot. The, the people yeah. at the IRS don't have to be too knowledgeable in order to audit those people. Okay. That's, that's not, yeah. that's not a very skillful thing. And Coinbase is going to hand them over everything eventually. Uh, so, I mean, if you're a person who's been, who's a, who calls yourself a trader and, and it's giving your social security to these uh, social security numbers to these exchanges, Coinbase, whoever. Um, yeah. You, <laughs> they, they are, they, you, you should be concerned about that. You should pay your taxes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now when it, it luckily, well, luckily like, the past couple of years, as I've tried to file taxes, it's gotten substantially easier to do so uh, thanks to like, I mean, there's a whole bunch like token tax or bear tax or like a whole bunch of different crypto tax programs that allow you just to connect APIs from whatever exchange you use and they like pay a small fee and they calculate your tax returns for you. It's super easy. So like, I mean, we all like to be super libertarian and anarchist, but I also don't want to, I'm not going to be a hero and like not pay my taxes and go to jail or whatever. So just pay your taxes. It's, it's easy enough. 
Um, but like you said, all the people who are trading on Coinbase and Kraken and Poloniex and all these exchanges, um, it's a it's almost as big of a problem, maybe even a bigger problem for the exchanges themselves rather than the customers because the exchanges don't have any more guidance than we do on how to handle forks and distributing forks and helping their users pay taxes on the forks they distributed and whatnot. Um, like, I mean, we all remember the Bitcoin cash base was a huge fiasco and they listed a couple other Bitcoin forks too. And um, like the IRS has no clue how forks work and these exchanges and taxpayers like us don't know how to file properly for it. So it's still a big mess, but Definitely, if you're trading on exchanges, there's tools to help you file taxes, and you shouldn't you shouldn't try to go to jail if you can avoid it. So it, it, <laughs> anyway, again, if if you've gone into back their realm, the IRS knows fiat, okay, and that's yeah. the that's the huge uh, honeypot they have there. They don't have to do very much research to find out who hasn't who sold their their Bitcoin for fiat, and who and uh, that's I, I'm sure you know there, it, there is only a limited amount of people they have there. I mean. And so if yeah. they make themselves seem huge, they'll get a lot of people reporting all sorts of stuff. And then they can eat, they can, it won't take much talent to go after uh, the people who forgot to, to uh, report, forgot to report their fiat earnings. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. If you signed up for Coinbase, you signed up to, to pay your taxes. I mean, that's, I yeah, that, that's yeah. something to remember there in, ter in terms of selling uh, for fiat. All right, good. So we, we covered that. Pound that like button, everyone. So now let's talk about uh, which which shall we talk about here? Uh, another a, a big story out in uh, in the realm of Twitter, at least in the in the social media uh, part of cryptocurrency. And people ask me about this uh, stock to flow guy all the time. One hundred trillion, mm. um, and people, it's like a it's dogma what he says. And you know it's exciting. His charts make big predictions, and you know it's it's all technical and it's it's great. It's beautiful, fancy sets and graphics, <laughs> all the stuff that makes everybody drool. Okay, he he's got it yeah. going on. Big predictions. People are like, Adam, you got to have him on your show. I'm like, well, it's it's all out there. And I mean, people are. He's got a Twitter account, but and he's a non. I don't know if he'd be on the show. But you had a comment about him. Uh, on on Twitter, and you said maybe this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, like me, I'm not blowing this guy. I'm not putting him on some pedestal and saying it's gonna it's correct. I've always said Bitcoin's gonna be worth more in the future after future halvings. Okay, hold you know understand what halvings are, people. If you didn't if, if you don't understand what halvings are, and but you, you worship this dude, you, you're a little behind here. So what did you what exactly did you say, and what do you think about the dude? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I had, while you were talking, I just tried to find the tweet so I could remember exactly what I was saying. Um, and I was actually tweeting sort of more at Saif Dean than the 100 trillion USD guy. Um, but Saif Dean was ex arguing that stock to flow is meaningless for every other coin besides Bitcoin. Um, he says, the real supply of a shitcoin on any day is decided by whatever the people behind them put in their algorithms on that day, not their algorithms. Only Bitcoin supply is controlled by its algorithm because nobody controls it. Um, which, okay, I get what he's saying. Um, but uh, I just said, your metric, uh, <laughs> I used some colorful language, but I said your metric isn't worthwhile, basically, if you cherry pick one and how to apply it. This is just embarrassing. And I got a lot of negative feedback on that interpretation. 
Um, I like stock to flow is a useful measure for valuing gold and whatnot. Um, and it's been applied to a couple other scarce assets and people want to apply it to Bitcoin now too, to sort of predict that I don't remember exact numbers, but something not too hyperbolic in the range of like $100,000 per coin by next year or by 2021 or something. Um, and sure, maybe that will happen. Um, and they have a lot of, like you said, he, this guy, 100 trillion USD, has a lot of very cool data visualizations showing how Bitcoin's price has tracked very closely with its stock to flow ratio and all of that. Um, so maybe it'll happen. But my, like my two qualms with it are people like trust it almost religiously as if it's like a prophecy that has no choice but to come true. And they sort of cherry pick its application like Siphon did here. Whereas like, so if you run the, the point of my original tweet was internally, this was when I was working at Masari and we ran stock to flow ratios for a bunch of other digital assets. And Bitcoin stock to flow ratio is like you want sort of a high, a high stock to flow ratio or a low stock to flow ratio, if I'm saying that correctly. And a lot of other digital assets had much higher ratios than Bitcoin did, which like, I mean, theoretically would say that like the, Yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of hey, got, Zach. Yeah, we got a yeah. little cut off there. Yeah, let's. Uh, you were talking about the, the high uh, stock to flow, or uh, yeah, back, back up some there. Yeah, back up some. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so we we were running. We ran uh, numbers on some other like altcoins and their stock to flow ratios, and they're higher than bitcoins, which. I mean, I guess it's sort of what you want to see, like the highest stock to flow ratio is, if I'm saying that correctly, high or low. Um, but Seifdeen's point here is it only works for Bitcoin. It doesn't work for any other coin. And that just seems a little bit maybe intellectually lazy, in my opinion. Like, what, why? There's no real good answer for that. Um, and I would definitely, at the very least, encourage people not to sort of use it as such a strong price indicator of like a hundred thousand per coin next year like some people seem to be doing so it's a cool like he has a lot of cool data visualizations this hundred trillion usd guy he's a smart guy um but maybe like i don't want to rain on anyone's parade but maybe a little bit like just rain a little bit and, and maybe cool some of the like rabbit excitement around stock to flow so yeah that's all oh that's good you we can't put <laughs> We can't put people on pedestals and worship them as as kings around here because you're going to be you're going to be let down in, in the long yeah. run. Now, now I, the guy isn't trying to do anything bad here. Um, it, it just seems like he's got a cult following. It's it's become almost the the, the cult of uh, of whatever his name hundred trillion uh, <laughs> yeah. of the cult the cult of uh, stock to flow. And hey, man, I I hope it happens. I hope I hope for the best. But. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna worship the dude or, or anything like that. So so good. Now you you brought up uh, that you were at you were at Masari before, and you there you did re, you did analysis of all sorts of things, uh, even altcoins at, at times. So you had a report on altcoins or with 
at least using the names of altcoins in, in a statistical report. And there's some people, and I, I just, this is a question about Bitcoin maximalism gone too far. You're a dude who loves Bitcoin. I mean, you were a Bitcoiner. You worked for a company. Yeah. You, they, you, you had some reports that, that mentioned some altcoins and people were offended. They were calling you an S-coiner. I don't want to say that word, but they were, they were calling yeah. you all, all sorts of things. Has it gone too far now in terms of the social media aspect of, uh, of uh, being a Bitcoin maximalist when, when people are attacking you, of all people? I thought it was crazy. Yeah, I, um, I, I, we, we could spend like three hours talking about this. I have a lot of thoughts. I think uh, a couple things really quick. I think like the markets and Twitter and everything is just um, like kind of kind of quiet, like really quiet lately. And uh, I don't know if you know, if you it, the Twitter handle is just skew, S-K-E-W. And they're a very cool data uh, visualization sort of research company focused on mostly like uh, derivatives in crypto, like that data, but they do a lot of other data. And they posted a chart showing how like Bitcoin mentions on Twitter are just like at all time lows. Like uh, it's, it's scary. And people are just like kind of bored and a little stir crazy maybe. And like you said, maybe it has gone a little too far, this sort of like crusade against uh, S coins, altcoins, coins we don't like, coins that aren't Bitcoin. And like, no one's dumb. Like we all know there's scams, all sorts of scams all over the place in this space. Um, but like I'm, I consider myself a, like a Bitcoin maximalist. Like I think Bitcoin is pretty much all I care about in this space. Like there are a couple other coins and teams doing things that interest me. Like I think Grin is interesting. I think some, most privacy coins are sort of interesting. Um, I think Blockstack is interesting. We'll see what happens with them. Um, I, I think there's just like things that interest me. Would I like buy the ICO? Probably not, but I think it's interesting. Um, but even for saying that, some people on Twitter will report you, block you, call for your head, all of that sort of stuff. And it's just a little bit outrageous. Um, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, well, through my work with Masari, Masari is sort of a crypto agnostic company. They work with a lot of different teams, a lot of different tokens. They want to sort of be like a, a Bloomberg of crypto where any data you want on any coin or protocol or token or whatever can be found on their site. Um, and by working with them, doing a, a lot of very important work, good work, trying to clean up the data in the industry and the quality of like news and content reporting in the industry and that sort of stuff, people just got mad. But um, I tend to th like as a rule, I tend to think people who get mad on Twitter aren't really worth paying attention to because they probably don't have anything else to do with their lives. Like that you probably have to have kind of a pretty sad life if you just spend your day getting mad at random people on Twitter all day long. So I don't tend to give it too much mind, but it is, it does happen a lot more frequently now and uh, hopefully it improves. But I think as one last thing I'll say is I think as a result of all of this, we've seen a lot of migration towards like social, social conversation wise migration towards telegram and discord and signal where it's a little more private, a little more controlled and less out in the open, like Twitter, um, and Mastodon, which we used for a few months back then, um, are just because people can be so toxic, for lack of a better word, and it's 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 just over the top. Well, pound that like button, people. Zach is telling it like it is. I gotta say, Twitter for me, <laughs> I I use it as a resource. I filter out all the nonsense screaming. You can learn a lot 
by reading certain people's feeds every single day. I want you again. What's that skew one again? How do you spell that? Uh, yeah, ju it's just their hand. Their Twitter handle is S K E W. Just skew. Um, it's it's very high. I think they're a team of like two or three people. I don't remember exactly, but um, uh, very high quality. Yeah, your your point about people getting stir crazy, like <laughs> they're. See, I'm not saying Bitcoin is boring now or whatever, but there's, uh, there, there, there seem to be a lot of negative FUD stories out there. So that kind of sets the tone there. There hasn't been, uh, there hasn't been a pump for a while or whatever. So people get, uh, and people need action or just bored people need action. People who are easily bored need action. And they, uh, they get yeah. a little testy and they start yelling at each other. For me, it's always learning, uh, so it's never boring. I don't, I don't get into the fights, as I said, and I just use it as, as, a, as a learning resource. But Twitter overall, in, in the way beyond Bitcoin, way beyond cryptocurrency, most people use it as a way to uh, get out passive-aggressive uh, anger and, and whatnot. So it's, it's come to our space also. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, Zach is, is not a, he's not an all-coiner. Although I, you brought up uh, the Mimblewimble stuff. Do you think Mimblewimble will yeah. Incorporated into uh, Bitcoin at, at any point? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I I used to have opinions on this. I haven't I haven't thought about it in like a while, so I'm hesitant to answer. I think, like I think at a very high level, a, a generic answer I'll give is obviously we can expect base layer privacy for Bitcoin to improve substantially through like maybe Mimblewimble integration, but especially things like Schnorr and Taproot and um, all of that and also like services like Wasabi and Samurai and um, other things. Uh, but with specific regard to Mimblewimble, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't read up or on recent conversation about that or thought about it in a little while. So I'm not sure, but there was a lot, there was a lot of what you might call FUD around Mimblewimble based on this one article posted a week ago. Um, and there was some FUD, I guess on Monero too. Um, but it'll like it'll be interesting to uh, how that the two articles were for Monero and Mimblewimble on how people claim to sort of break their security and privacy model and whatnot. Um, but privacy, like everyone wants enhanced privacy, and that's sort of why these protocols focus on it. Sort of came to be, and we'll see if they can survive for another five or ten or more years. Um, but we can expect more privacy for Bitcoin and I hope the privacy coins do important work and serve their purpose. Cause yeah. I mean, they only exist because people want to speculate on their price and use them for privacy. So whatever well, happens. I, I heard that the Mimblewimble uh, revelation actually has been out there for some time. It's just someone put yeah. the words and kind of made a scary article about it. And, uh, I, I'll say that, uh, well, in terms of privacy and Bitcoin becoming uh, more private, uh, that there have been people that have said that if it's, if it's built into the base layer, uh, that it would, it would scare off uh, the, the corporate types and scare off the, the financialization types. Uh, so that, that probably won't happen. It'll people be able to opt into the privacy aspect of it. What do you, what do you think of that? Well, uh, could that scare away institutions if it became like a, truly private at the base layer? Yeah, uh, I think um, I, I, there's probably a few people who have written about this, um, but I think Nick Carter may have written one on this, sort of like the, the coming tension between like institutions who want to use Bitcoin and sort of like rogue independent users who want to um, 
use Bitcoin for like other other reasons. Um, I, I like I think he's right. That's inevitable. Um, and I, I don't know if um, like if base layer privacy improvements will hand, will, crypt, will will create that tension maybe to the degree people are expecting just because like Bitcoin base layer will never have very good privacy. It can't have very good privacy um, because the supply of Bitcoin is so important to its value prop. Um, and the, the more private you make it, the less uh, able users are to audit the supply of Bitcoin. That's why you've seen inflation bugs with Zcash and Monero and um, maybe even Grin. I hesitate to say that because I'm not exactly sure. But the point is privacy coins have inflation bugs because people have a difficult time auditing their supply because the base layer is, is so private um, and we don't want that with Bitcoin. Um, so I don't think the privacy will ever become that big of a deal for Bitcoin's base layer. But other like elsewhere in this stack, like with wallets like Wasabi or with second layer protocols like Lightning, those those are where you'll find the privacy. So institutions, if they want, maybe can stay working with the base layer and other users who want privacy can go to other other parts of the stack to get it. And that's like that's sort of <laughs> how the stack is designed anyway. So I, I think it'll work out well. Uh, interesting you bring up Lightning. Uh, what, what's your take on uh, its, its progress? And uh, you're now at Blockstream too, so we should, uh, I, I don't know if, what they're doing over there with Lightning or if, if, if you're involved yeah. with anything like that. So, so expand. Yeah, yeah. So I'm obviously, I, I, maybe not obviously, but I've always been a pretty big fan of Lightning, uh, pretty bullish on it. It's still early, obviously, but like network usage continues to grow. Um, I think uh, with regards to Blockstream specifically, obviously Blockstream maintains the C Lightning um, instance and or implementation, I guess is the proper term. I don't work with the Lightning team here, uh, at least now. Um, I don't think I will much in the future, um, but uh, possibly. Um, but all these implementations of Lightning are obviously important for, for it to the protocol in all the different implementations to grow and mature and whatnot. Um, very bullish on it and excited to continually see um, cool apps being built for it. Just a couple of weeks ago, someone built a completely anonymous like chat room app where you can pay a couple thousand sats and have 24 hour anonymous chat room hosted on their, their lightning app. Um, the guys at Satoshi games, uh, have you had them on your show by the way, or do you know, you know the Satoshi games guys? I've heard of them and it'd be great to have them. I knew about that chat yeah. thing, by the way, that was a great, I, I, what was the, yeah. I, I included that in another video. I guess I should find it again, but no Satoshi games. Tell, tell us about them. Yeah. They're, they're building like a, a Fortnite type game with lightning integrations and you can win sats on the, by playing the game and whatnot. They're based in, uh, in Latin America. I don't remember exactly where, um, but I've, uh, super like a year and a half ago or so when I was still running a, a podcast um, that sort of got uh, archived um, but I I interviewed them they're just like super friendly sharp uh, game developers building a cool um, Fortnite like game for lightning or on lightning and it's uh, it's it's live now or it's some people can sign up for the beta to play it and test it um, and yeah like Definitely, definitely interview them on here. They're they're a great team and just one of many uh, great teams working to build 
with lightning right now. So yeah, yeah I think I, I think that. I talked about that that the Satoshi games before. You 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 pay to play basically. You can win lightning, right? Is that is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's pretty much yeah how it works. And that's good. That's I mean, I love that people are experimenting with this stuff. Who knows if that chat room thing is going to get big? Who knows if this? But at least people are playing around with it. We don't know what the killer. Uh, the killer feature of, of Litecoin, the killer app of, of Lightning, is 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 going to be. So keep on yeah. uh, keep on experimenting, people. That's that's what this space is is definitely all about. Okay. Um, so any other Lightning thoughts before we move on to Blockstream? I don't I don't think so. I think Good. Lightning is yeah, yeah Lightning. So great. so what are you doing at Blockstream? We had Neil on here telling us what he does. He's marketing over there and everything. And Blockstream is so legendary in this space because people come up with all these uh, conspiracies about it. Here you go. Here, here's a real guy. He works <laughs> for them. He's been on the show before. He's, he's not part of a new world order or anything like that or whatever you guys <laughs> think is going on. T -t Tell us about yeah, what you're doing over there and, and, what, what, and them. Tell us about Blockstream. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's like, uh, I don't think it was related, but I, I posted on Twitter that I, I got a new job and I'm working with Blockstream now. And then some ethereum fans like started rehashing these old conspiracies like you mentioned about how bitcoin is co-opted by blockstream and all of this stuff um it's i don't know it's nonsense um block, like but blockstream specifically it's like it's honestly the a dream job um i like i, I some people maybe don't want to work in Bitcoin full time, uh, but I think they're sort of rare. Like most people want to work in Bitcoin full time, and it's there's a handful of companies that just sort of are uh, like where you would want to work if you could had your pick. And Blockstream, for me at least, is 100% one of those companies. Um, so I'm very lucky, and I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I actually work pretty closely with Neil. Like right now, I'm just doing a lot of documentation, rewriting, um, that sort of stuff. But uh, touching on content uh with a few different teams and excited to see uh what else comes down the pipeline uh, but it's exciting one of, like you said one of the best companies in the space and i'm just yeah super lucky so i'm having a lot of fun already and i plan to continue having a lot more fun in the future this dude is in motion he had a podcast and then he ends up working for these big uh uh bitcoin companies working in the space how does one end up working in the space a any advice on that to the people listening that's that yeah that's i was gonna post a twitter thread about this um but i mean i'll just i'll not post a twitter and just share it on your show like i'm i'm a little like i don't i'm i've been in bitcoin for a few years several years i guess um but i'm not like like an og or anything like that i'm just like a a regular guy and i, I tweet a lot but i just i'm not nothing special all of that to say there are so many opportunities in the space. Um, and I, I know this because I've, I found them. Like I've, I found uh, when I was looking for a, a new job, do something a little bit more fun and more related specifically only to Bitcoin. Um, I like, I found a dozen different jobs at least that would have been a lot of fun with great companies in the space. Um, like for example, Bitwise and, and Casa um, and Coindesk. Um, and a couple of funds and exchanges and whatnot. Um, so to your question, to get involved, you honestly just have to DM people or email them or something and just reach out and ask. Um, 
because no one's gonna like give you a job and come to you. You have to just go out and get it. And in my, like, it takes a little bit of work. Um, but there are like, I'm not under, like I'm not, uh, over hyping it. There are so many jobs in Bitcoin and a lot more in just like the crypto space generally. But if you want a job, you probably won't find your ideal first job in the crypto space on your first try or maybe even your second try. Um, but uh, there are point being there are a lot of jobs so don't feel discouraged just like shoot some emails send some dms and i can almost guarantee you something will work out because there are so many opportunities all right dudes that is some insider information that's why we got the best freaking guest in the space here you don't hear stuff like that just dm the people he is giving you proactive <laughs> tips right there oh my god I, I love that i love what you just said no hardly anyone talks about you know, how to get a job in the space yeah, people don't come find you. You go DM. There's nothing shameful. I get DMs all the time asking me all sorts of things. Do the same for the people that work at these companies. I get any any specific targets you have out there besides the ones you just just mentioned for people you think might need jobs uh, for companies that are looking for jobs. Do you have any specifics? Yeah. Any other names out there? Any other? Uh, um, I can I can I can maybe think of a list like after the show. I. I I, I just, I can't emphasize enough. Like I've, I've just, some people, um, like see a CEO of an exchange. I'm, I'm not going to name, but I, uh, we had chatted a little bit on Twitter publicly. And then I emailed her, uh, or maybe messaged her on telegram and just said, Hey, um, would love to chat sometime. If there's a role at your exchange that makes sense, this is my resume for your reference. I'd love to maybe work together if there's something that makes sense. And we chatted for a while, uh, had some great interviews, um, there, and that, that's happened like multiple times, uh, for me at least. Um, and I don't have like a spectacular resume. I've just, um, had some regular jobs and, and done some research and that sort of thing. But don't be like, if you're shy, no one's going to give you a job. Don't be shy. Just send your resume to some people, start conversations, talk to people who you might want to work for something down the road will work. Um, just, you just have to go for it a little bit, be hungry. Be in motion, people, in motion, pound that like button. One thing that I mentioned, uh, actually, on my audio-only podcast, I rarely do those. Uh, most of these videos just get turned into audio, but I had people, it was linked to a few shows back. I theorized, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'd love your take on this. There are many Asian-based companies out there in the space. Okay? Yeah. They need English-speaking marketing type of people. I mean, I, I, mm. I suggested that people just, you know, hey, go to some of these Asian-based companies and just send, uh, say, hey, I'm a marketing guy. I can do social media for you. I can, I, you know, they, they, there's a lack of, they have a hard time communicating with the Western side. And I think they would love to have a, and you could work out your own deals with them. I and mean, do you think that's possible type of thing out there, opportunities? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think if you're, when you're looking for something, like in my personal experience, I don't have a problem saying, Masari, when I was looking, I wanted when I was looking to get involved in in Bitcoin, I only wanted to do Bitcoin. And so, working with Masari at first, I didn't think it would be like my ideal job or the ideal company I wanted to work for because I knew they worked with a lot of other token projects and whatnot. And I wasn't sure I would enjoy it too much. But little did I know, I made an insane amount of great friends and connections, learned a lot, was exposed to a lot, um, and it turned out great. Um, and I expect sort of a, a even better, similar experience with my new job now. Um, point being, if you're looking for a job and you don't find exactly what you're looking for, it's okay to take maybe 
a less ideal job because you never know in crypto specifically because it's a very small space and you never know who you're going to meet or what opportunities you're going to come across after you just take something and start working in the space and meeting people and doing it full time. Um, can't overstate the importance of that. Just take a job. Everyone's hiring engineers. So if you're an engineer, you can take whatever job you want pretty much. And if you're not an engineer, just take, take something, start working for a crypto company, make connections and use it as sort of a launching pad to something else. Um, or stay at your first job in crypto for five, 10 years. Either way, there's so many opportunities. Um, if you want to work in crypto, I guarantee you, you can find a job. Wow. This a very positive stuff. This is, uh, I love this type of information. Okay. We're going to, we're going to move more to the stuff that everybody's familiar with the news. Let's, let's talk about the bigger store, China. What, what, what was your, what are your thoughts on the recent China here? Yeah, everyone, China's always in the news for Bitcoin. Um, you can count on it. And a lot of the huge like price spike that one day it spiked like 40% or something. Everyone thought it was because uh, Xi Jinping like, said blockchain is great now and we want to build on it. Uh, or like just, I don't know, his, his statement. Um, I don't know how much that had to do with the price directly, um, but China's, at least from like a Western point of view, it seems that the Chinese government and Chinese companies are taking this stuff maybe a little bit more seriously than like American companies and regulators are. And maybe that's just a, 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 prog, a product of them having a little bit more regulatory flexibility in terms of like US securities regulators are very, very strict. Um, and we see companies leaving the US all the time to, or excluding US customers all the time. Even like finance had to create a whole separate exchange just to cater to US clients. Um, it's, it's crazy. And so Asian markets are a little bit more flexible in that regard. But yeah, China, China's always in the news, uh, always crazy. I think the one thing I would say as Crypto Bobby, who, who does uh, YouTube crypto videos and stuff, tweeted the other day, he was like, every time he's, he lives in New York also here with me. And um, he said, anytime he sees news about China, he just always assumes the translation is wrong and he doesn't take an opinion on it until someone clarifies the news, which I think is a pretty good way to read China news and Asian news in general about Bitcoin and crypto, because there are so many translation errors. Westerners don't have uh, great access to information to explain what's going on in China and Asian markets right now. So if you assume anything you hear is wrong and wait for it to be clarified, you'll probably be okay instead of, I don't know, believing some FUD or getting bad information or whatnot. It's, 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 it's tricky. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good technique there. I like that technique. Hey, by the way, you said you're not an OG. When did you get into Bitcoin? When did you get into the space? Yeah, um, so like uh, spring or so, like uh, 2014. Oh, that's um, not college. Dude, dude, that for, for most people, you're like a grizzled veteran. There's so many guys that are, like, that are proud that they got in in 2017, but they'll continue. I guess so, that's true. I mean, my, my, so I found out about Bitcoin from my roommate in college. He was a comp size student and had been into Bitcoin like a couple or several years before he showed me about it. I studied economics among other things and he thought it would be interesting to me. And obviously it turns out he was right. Um, but I, like, I remember 2014, 2015, even 2016 guys would be talking about Bitcoin. Even one of the co-founders of Masari ha has been in Bitcoin since like 2010. Um, and I, like, 
I, I bought my first Bitcoin uh, for about $250, I think, or something like that. Um, and I remember even then just thinking, oh man, I'm so late. Like they bought Bitcoin for $11 or $3 or something like that. Um, and I mean, now here we are at like 8,000 or something. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. So I, I just, I don't know. There's so much to learn. And I feel very, I, like I still feel new to Bitcoin. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's just been, it, Bitcoin warps your perception of time. So it feels like I've been in this space for like two years, maybe. Um, it's just, it's all flown by very fast. Oh, I mean, man. like the, the Bitcoin cash, uh, hard fork was like two years ago or something, two and a half years ago. Yes. And it feels like, like 10 years ago or, yeah. or even just like a month ago. It's, it's crazy, but yeah, that, so that's my story. Yeah, we value our time in halvings around here. And you've already lived through a halving. So, man, you are a veteran. Uh, and yeah, the, the Bcash thing was only uh, two years and uh, two months ago. It was, April, it was uh, August uh, 1st of, of 2017 or three months or whatever. But it was August. For, so it's, it seems like 10 years ago. But it was, it was so recent. So we've been through a lot. A lot of people weren't through that. I will ask you this, though. Since you were around in 2014 and 15 and 16, you were around leading up to the, the previous halving. I, I got to say that it is, there are similarities between this time period leading up to this halving coming up in 2020 and leading up to the 2016 halving. It, yeah. it, it really, it, everyone, we, we reached the bottom and then we slowly started coming up and we had some troughs again. And then finally, there was the road to the halving. The halving hype started. And it seems yeah. like we reached it and this time around it seems like we've reached the bottom we've had some ups and we've had some downs but we haven't had the having hype yet do, do you see those similarities yeah ab yeah absolutely i think um i think like i'm not a, a big trader and i like i obviously we you too you do too like encourage people not to focus on the price too much or anything like yeah, that of course, of course. but i think like i think over the holidays coming towards the end of 2019 here we should like the havings in May. We should see like that that hype sort of start a little bit. I'm hesitant to even talk about this because I I tend to think uh, like it's not it's not necessarily be, the the price climb doesn't necessarily start because of the having, but there obviously is some supply shock relationship there uh, to some extent maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I tend to think we should see sort of some some price climbing uh, towards the holiday, the beginning of the new year and into the spring and then at the having summer. And then after that, who knows? Um, but I mean, yes, we'll, we'll, there's, there's, an equal, there's an equal possibility that it won't happen. And I, I mean, who knows? It's, we've only had a couple halvings and maybe this one will be wildly different. Who knows? Well, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the 210,000 block theory. You can go back mm. 210,000 blocks and the price in terms of US dollar is less. Uh, so mm -hmm. you can pick any date and it's, it's never, you go back 210,000 blocks, the price was, is always less. So in terms mm. of uh, what will be, we had the all time high in December of 2017. So 210,000 blocks from then is gonna be November of, of 2021. So we shall see, we shall see if November of 2021 you subtract mm. two hundred ten thousand blocks. If it's if it's more than I, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward yeah. to seeing it. And uh, 
I'm, I'm definitely, I know the having hype will start again. Uh, yeah. I, probably again, you, just like you said, around the holidays, beginning of the year, the, the mainstream media will wake up to this thing called the having again. And all these people who are in uh, the space who have no idea what it is, won't start talking about it again. And uh, it, it, it creates its own little hype and people start buying it. And, and, and then once, once it happens, it, the price goes down and then afterwards it goes up. So we'll see. We'll see if it's all cyclical again. But uh, you, you, you've lived through strong, Yeah, strong hands until then, though. And that's uh, what, we'll see. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to say strong hand. You've lived through it before, so you got a strong hand. All right, well, let's, let's talk about something you haven't lived through yet. That is Facebook Libra. Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think they'll get approved? Uh, yeah, that's a, whew, that's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know. Like I, like month to month, sometimes my opinions on that change. Um, sometimes I think they can pull it off. Sometimes I think the regulatory scrutiny and pressure will force them just to sort of abandon it. Um, and then again, maybe like them abandoning it will actually help it launch because it will be even less like centrally managed. Um, and someone else will pick it up. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, if I was like gun to the head, had to bet one way or the other, I would probably bet on it not launching more than it, more than like launching. Um, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I don't know. And, and I think anyone who knows for sure it won't launch or it will launch is just making things up. Um, I, I have no idea. Uh, well, since we were talking about price a little bit, let's say they did announce if all of a sudden the government, <laughs> The lovely people over there, like AOC and everyone, just just they forget about it. They're like, okay, we're cool with it now, um, and it's obvious that it's going to happen. What would you think happens to the Bitcoin price? Bitcoin yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think it would be like pretty bullish because um, I think if Libra launches, it's not too big of a stretch of the imagination to imagine um, Facebook eventually implementing like buy and sell options. Uh, or features for Bitcoin and maybe a couple other altcoins similar to something like what Cash App supports now, where you can buy Bitcoin with dollars or with Libra tokens or something else. Um, and then like there we have billions of people now with a brand new way to buy Bitcoin that have probably never had the ability to before, um, or at least definitely not that easily. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be pretty bullish, um, I would say. All right, pound that like button. Let me ask you, I don't know, did you hear about uh, Google, how they, uh, they're they going to help a bank out? What was that story? They're yeah. Gonna, yeah. I didn't read that news too carefully, but apparently Google is interested in launching some sort of type of bank or very have, building like a very close banking relationship with someone. Um, I don't remember exactly what was going on there, yeah. but uh, Forbes took it in some article and said, this is why Bitcoin's crisis, price is crashing or something to that effect. Um, just classic. Everyone always searches for a narrative to support why the price does whatever it does. Um, but it's, it's, uh, yeah. I, yeah it, I was, it was one of those kill Bitcoin articles. Yeah. And again, yeah. I, it, I remember seeing that. <laughs> but, but I, I bring it up because uh, I, I do believe they're, they're working with this bank and they're going to help the bank uh, be more efficient. I think it's the first step. Uh, I think they want to have their own coin one day. I, I, I have no, I want to go back to Libra for a second. I have no problem with a, a company like a company like Facebook uh, printing their own uh, token, printing their own money, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I think companies yeah, I should really. be. I think companies should be able to do it, at, just like nation states, and let compete 
compete, don't complain. Uh, if Facebook gets let in, do you think Google will end up with one? Do you think Amazon will end up with one? All, all those big companies? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with you too. Like I think um, it's probably that, that situation is probably inevitable. Um, I don't know exactly the timeline for when we can expect something like that to happen, but yeah, definitely if Facebook gets the regulatory okay, we can see, we'll, we'll probably see a lot of other large um, large tech companies building similar protocols to Libra. Well, we, we're, we talk, just talked about China. If China lets, and already this is happening from what I can kind of tell, um, I'm not there, but they're, they're letting their tech companies have their own coins. So, I mean, there might become pressure, yeah. there might be pressure on the, the Western world if, if the Chinese companies really are successful with that stuff, just to let our companies have this, or the West, the West companies have the same uh, privilege, I guess, uh, to, to, to do that. So we, we shall see. Uh, now we've, we've, we've reached the end here. Um, I don't think I have any more questions. Is there anything you, that, was, that you wanted to bring up that, that wasn't brought up here? Any, uh, any events coming up? Anything you want to talk about? Um, hmm. not, n no events or news. Just, I, th I mean, a, a lot of what we've talked about has been people speculating on why the price does what it does, whether it's because of the stock to flow ratio or Google's banking relationships or anything in between. It's China FUD. Um, and I guess my parting comment would be to sort of take all of that with a, several grains of salt. Um, because people love to spin up narratives, all of them with varying degrees of credibility. Um, and at the end of the day, people only have very limited ability to predict why uh, the price will do what it does um, and has done what it does and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, don't pay attention to the noise because odds are most of it is noise. Yes, avoid the crypto noise. We really, I really appreciate all your tips about jobs. Um, you can follow that. That was really original stuff. Zach's is linked to below. And uh, I mean, you can send him a DM if you got questions uh, about jobs or whatever. I'm sure you can give some tips. Uh, anyway, Zach, thank you very much for being on the show. Again, he's linked to below. Pound that like button, everybody. Bang that bell button. We do this this week in Bitcoin every Friday. Uh, we'll get, I think we're going to be able to get back to the regular format again once I'm back in the United States. Uh, I'm in Adelaide, Australia, by the way, everyone, if you don't know, but I'm going back to Baltimore. Uh, next week, it will be live from Baltimore, hopefully. Okay, everybody, new show here every day besides This Week in Bitcoin every Friday show. Subscribe to the channel, like the, like the video, pound that like button, bang that bell button, disruptmeister.com, follow me on Twitter at techbalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister, Shabbat Shalom. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya. See ya.